I'm George Lucas Pfeiffer, and you're listening to Work Inspired. This podcast brings together the top minds in commercial real estate, key influencers in architecture and design, business owners, thought leaders, technologists, and visionaries, all to explore how great work gets done. Here you'll discover ideas, strategies, inspiration, and knowledge that you can put to work at your organization, regardless of your position or your industry. This is Work Inspired. My guest today is the chief executive officer of a hot technology called Bluescape Software, which allows for collaboration and teamwork to be done from anywhere you can get online in a secure digital environment. This is incredibly relevant today, given the COVID-19 crisis the world is facing. I'm thrilled to have my friend and a true inspiration on the show. Please welcome Peter Jackson. Well, Peter, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey, it's a pleasure to be talking to you and knowing how much passion you have around providing awesome content because I'm always a benefactor of watching it and uh, you have a real gift. So it's an honor to be here. Well, likewise, I've been seeing you pop up everywhere lately. You were on CNBC with Jim Cramer recently. I see Bluescape ads every, you know, when I'm watching the news at night, you know, this situation we're in with uh, the coronavirus is certainly a crisis, but I'm excited to talk to you today about some of the ways that it's going to kind of shape the way that people think about work. Um, It's something we've been talking a lot in our organization about. Uh, We think people will eventually come back to work, back to the office, but we don't think it's going to be the same as it was before this. So this seems to be a transformational point in America's history, maybe the world's history, and how people think about work. I'm really interested to talk through how you think tools like Bluescape and just your perspective as a CEO. What are your thoughts on that, especially as we're in the early stages of what could be potentially a long, long-term thing here? Well, you and I have participated in some of that great future work, you know, Ted Typey talks uh, the last couple of years. And I've always enjoyed your, your, your deep analysis in terms of how the workplace changes. And I, and I had obviously come out with that presentation when I talked about the zero hour work week and you know, how much productivity gets done, where and how. And, you know, I think a lot about, you know, parent neglect when you got two people working because of cost of living and maybe they each have an hour commute and how much commute time can, 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 can take away from your, um, your work productivity. And so I do think that the, I don't, I think offices are just going to change. I think they're going to be really great uh, meeting places. There'll be a lot less around, formal desks. I think it's going to be a lot more around uh, an environment where people are getting together and, and, and taking in that face-to-face. But, you know, I think that all that stuff was going to happen by 2025. I spent a lot of time with all those kinds of statistics about depression, um, you know, churn rate on employees, happy employees, insurance costs, all kinds of things. In, in that analysis of what's really getting done. I mean, we're talking about, you know, 60% of the workforce. We're not talking about, you know, people that actually have to time a bunch of time clock in. But I really think everything's tied to productivity for that other 60% of the workforce. I talked to a banker yesterday. He said that he knew a bunch of people that used to be investment bankers who used to work off the back of their yachts. So, you know, from my perspective, there is a, there is a way that I've always been looking at it. I think it all accelerated. Uh, obviously dramatically uh, by what we're going through now. I mean, I think we're all trying to, you know, adjust. And, and I think our people we live with are adjusting to us also because they're sort of used to their lives and, 
And now that, you know, everybody's back tunkered in, it's a, it's certainly a different day and age, but you know, there is way, there are ways to be effective and, and productive within that. Yeah. That, the concept of the zero hour work week, you know, I, I obviously many, many companies now with the stay at home orders are kind of forced into having their employees be remote and be working at different types of hours. You know, do you think that as we kind of come back to work after the coronavirus crisis, do you think the zero hour work week will be more feasible for more people? Will there be new technologies that enable jobs that used to require being in the office, do you think, to be able to be done from anywhere or be done not so much on a set nine to five schedule? Yes. Uh, I mean, most definitely. I think the uh, I think things that are tied to productivity uh, and have to be in the office usually uh, are around security and confidentiality. You know, if you if you think about and you've met uh, Tom Waller from Lululemon, if you went up into his innovation design rooms, you, know, you can't bring your phone into the building. They have, you know, where they're coming out with the new pants or the new top or the new whatever, whether it's women's or men. But all those meeting rooms have blinds on them. And, you know, they sort of tinker around with what, you know, as they call it, building technology. If you can take that same level of technology and not be, a, you know, locked down in four walls, uh, then you can get talent that isn't, doesn't all have to be, say, in Vancouver, in, in his case. Uh, but you can actually get people to work from home. You can get better talent. You can actually get product to market faster too, because, you know, most people go to an office for eight hours. If everything's tied to productivity and you can be anywhere to do it. I've seen shoe companies that use our product. I think you've met the Olakai people where they're able to reduce the time it takes to design and get a shoe to market by 50% by utilizing technologies. And, you know, they have to be secure. so, you know, people that are in manufacturing or in design or movie making, you know, it goes on and on, you know, we're forced to do it now. How do we do it securely? Certainly you can't do it really securely over Zoom and you don't want to do screen sharing, God forbid. So, you know, if you can find technologies like what we provide, uh, you suddenly can make these four walls feel like they're infinite. Yeah, I, I, I want to talk about Bluescape in a minute, but let's stay on the productivity concept for now, traditionally, that's been one of the, the great fears about remote work, right? Is that there's too many distractions. When you're not in the office, you got your kids coming in, you've got the, fr- you know, the kitchen you can, you, can, you can visit 40 times a day, you know, you've got the TV sitting right over there and no one's watching you watch it. Uh, how do teams stay effective and product- productive if they are working remotely? Well, I mean, in my particular environment right now, I have um, my daughter-in-law to be is uh, you know, a top person inside the alphabet group actually just spun out, which is Sidewalk Labs, a smart city. She's at the end of a dining room. My son, Drew, is uh, who plays for the Los Angeles Dodgers, is at the other end, and he's taken a consulting job that started actually yesterday. So he's, he's um, they both met at Stanford and studied a lot of the stuff. So he's able to step out of baseball and get productive right away. But they're, they've got the headsets on, and they're, and they are making that track to the kitchen and back. and you know, whatever. Um, and then uh, I have a son here also who's in the real estate business uh, with Eastel. And so he's over just doing spreadsheets with his set and he's in the kitchen. Uh, my wife took over the the bedroom. Uh, that's sort of where she is. And then I've got, I'm fortunate I have a studio 
above my garage and I've literally just moved up here. Now, not everybody lives in a house that has that space around, but I do think it's mandatory that you have um, a headset. I was actually on a, on a call with Fox on a media call and, you know, Katie came in, uh, gave a big shout out to Connor to come help undo the groceries that ended up right in the middle of it. And, and then on another media call, someone started running the blender and that's when I moved up to the studio. Yeah, I think it's arduous. I think it's distracting. I've seen some of those funny Twitters where the guy's doing a news call and the kids are running around, you know, it's, it's hectic. But I think the other thing is, I think we're all sort of accepting it that way. Uh, and we, and it, and it adds a little bit to the humor uh, as well. So, you know, I think we have to be tolerant with each other as we go through this, but we also have to find ways that we can uh, find our own space. I think going for walks, um, you know, certainly uh, making sure every, that you're being uh, sensitive to everybody around you. And, 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 and if they're on a call, if they're not on a call or whatever, that you sort of look and say, that's their office. It's just like being in, a, in your own office. You just want to be sensitive to, to sounds and that sort of thing. But, you know, the dog's going to bark. That stuff's going to happen and we just have to go. We have to roll with it, man. It just occurred to me, one of the, uh, the trends in, you know, commercial furniture over the last five, 10 years has been this push into what some people have called resimercial trying to make the office look like the home, you know, and it's a little ironic that now we're all making our homes our office, you know, <laughs> like we really got uh, what everybody has been looking for is you, you're working right in an actual home now. So yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, a little getting used to it, a little bit of accepting that this is a new normal, right? And then there's a lot of benefits to this. And I think that's where, as we start to think about you know, when we come back, when, 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 when there's a vaccine, when people are able to leave their houses again, what is the, what is the impact? What's the lasting impact on what this period in time does for the way that we work around the world, really? First of all, it's people that have to remain productive are the ones that uh, I think are, are going to be fine. I'm more concerned about the ones that are, you know, struggling to keep their business afloat, um, or, you know, trying to, to, to market in, in these times. Obviously, there's a, a lot of industries that are, uh, that are weighted under. And so, you know, those people have to be very productive in terms of saying when we come back. I mean, you and I have talked, George, about your business. And, you know, there, there should be a tsunami effect in a short period of time when it does come back because there's going to be this pent-up need. And I think it's that planning or, or, you know, thinking sort of differently on a productive side for those people that are, that are not in this, the, the, the normal day-to-day. Now, there's a lot of other people that can, can remain productive. I, mean, I, I do a lot of work for, you know, you name the movie, the movie studio, you know, Lionsgate, all these other ones. They're, they're still producing. They still have to entertain us while we're there. So those segments of the marketplace, they just have to do it differently, right? These, they're having to produce from home. Um, and so – you know, I, I, depending on these different industries that you're in, you may be positioning yourself or going back to, to taking a classes now because your business may not come back for a long time. Uh, and so you might be dedicating this time now to actually redoing your direction or rethinking your life, where you live, you know, what's important. So I think all those things are, are coming up to people during the day or maybe in the, even in the middle of the night. I think it's a, it's a really good to be reflective about you know, where am I now? Where is this going to be in a year? Is that really where I wanted to be? So I would see a really high rise in education. I know our particular company is giving away the skill, uh, skilled universities. 
for people to, to, to advance themselves. Let's talk about Bluescape for, you know, let's transition over. I, we've got a flood of new technologies or maybe not new technologies, but people pushing technologies because of the virtual need to work right now. What makes Bluescape different and how can people best determine what's, you know, what technology is right or what way of using a certain technology is right for their particular job or team? Well, I think most projects or, or things that we're working on, you know, include workflows. I mean, certainly, you know, that as well as anybody, it isn't like you haven't, you have to think about, uh, you know, the architectural plans, the designs, the vignettes. I mean, there's a lot that goes into certainly your space. And I mentioned movie industry, um, but it really at the top of, uh, you know, at the beginning of any sales cycle for us, it's, it's about security. Um, they don't even want to know what we do. They want to know how secure we are. And so we built this particular technology in a container as opposed to a URL. Um, and we built it with all these features that you can basically put everything inside this workspace. And it's pretty much locked down no matter where you are. In fact, the, probably the, the top government areas uh, in the United States utilize it. In fact, we just did a big deal in Europe with a, uh, with a, a government agency that is utilizing it, you know, mainly because they want to have this access on a project by project basis and know who's in it, who's out of it, who who's contributing, who's who's got access, who can read only, who can manipulate. And so when I'm talking about different types of data, we actually have a product we're launching in a month. You're going to hear it first on this podcast, but where we actually came up with the technology to do video sync. So now if you and I are sharing a video, only I only, when I play it, it doesn't play for you. So there's no way in any PowerPoint or like that. In, the, in our environment, when I play it, I you could stop it. We could tag it. We could do all that stuff. But think about that with an Excel spreadsheet or, or, or a document. You don't really even need to create PowerPoint with us because you just put all the information into this container and it has all these present modes and everything else. But at the top of it, it's around security and you get people remote to have secure-based technology. So we've run into, you know, the COVID situation is really interesting for us. We were having really good successful quarter over quarter growth, you know, in the, you know, five to 10% on our revenues. And, and our company literally tripled. We did more business than we did in 17, 18 and 19 in the month of March because this flight, this flight to home suddenly put all the, you know, infosec or I should say the security people on, Hey, we can't do this on zoom and we, we can't have this data. So, and we had one customer within two weeks, you know, sign multi-million dollar deal for 300,000 users. Uh, and we've got probably seven more signed up like that. And it was basically a security issue before they actually got into what we did. Can you get all this information to our people on these VPNs safely? We've kind of been partners with Bluescape since the beginning, really. And when you started off as a hardware company and then over the course of the last few years and significantly last year transitioned into more of a software business. I think that was very, very timely that you did that now because you can sell the software and people can benefit from the software regardless of the device that they're on from home. Right. That's really well said. I mean, I, when I sort of came upon the product and was recruited to run it, I, that was the first thing I did. I was like, it's gotta be the scalable usable platform on any device. And, you know, it, it was, it was clunky. I, 
I, I think I remember talking to somebody in your company saying we installed it and like for the first year it just got dusty. We never really turned it on um, because it had some of these limitations. I was at the end of the day, I was able to hire a uh, Rupin uh, Chanda and Rupin's kind of famous because he was the author of flash for Adobe. And then he built the Blackberry telephone security platforms and all that. And then he sort of came with a cache of engineers. They were all out of Waterloo, Canada. And then we just, added a hundred engineers over the last 18 months on top of the ones we had, which were pretty darn good. And, and then basically made the product effectively scalable and usable for everybody across in an enterprise. And, and, and that was a, a you know, a, a $50 million move without revenues to support it. You know, so I had to convince the investors that as long as they sort of had kind of an in-room vision of sharing this stuff that it isn't going to go very far. And that's sort of what you started with. And then as we vented on mobile and all these other devices, we now have this breadth of product. It doesn't matter where you are. You feel like you're in the meeting. I think one of the greatest things about it too, especially being a software is that these new features that you continue to add. And as you adapt the tool to be used by even a larger group of people more effectively, they just, continue to come. You know, that's one of the great things is the software as a service, you know, is that your this video, this video sync feature that you're talking about, this is the first time I've heard about it. I'm very excited for it. And it's wonderful to know that I'll have that available to me simply because I have a Bluescape account. That's that's awesome. Yeah, the the, the all the new UI UI stuff you're gonna like too because you know I know a lot of listeners don't have the product, but in order to activate the content you sort of had to go through these procedures where you touch the content and then it would open up a menu of like, you want to present or you want to duplicate or whatever. We took all the, that down and put it like it, every piece of your content is its own, you know, a DVD player. So you can play it, you can pause it, you can duplicate it, but it all sits in a bar right below each piece of content. So it's just taking keystrokes out. Um, and like I said, syncing video, but you know, just basically uh, we had hired a bunch of these UI UX people out of Sweden, some of the best in the world. And now we're just doing the opposite because the, the company had really good backend features and scalability and usability. And as you know, we built WebEx into it. We built Zoom into it. We'll have that in 30 days. So now instead of having a conference call on a telephone, you're actually having it in the container and everybody can be sharing their different content at the same time while they're looking at each other. So it's like all those kinds of things are really in, you're going to have by the end of this quarter. And I think it's going to be a meaningful difference for everybody because you really needed to have more of a, you know, a friendly way for people to work. Let's switch a little bit over to talking about you. <laughs> You've had a really, really impressive career. You've been the CEO of many different types of companies, different sizes, different industries. Um, tell me some of the advice that you've learned or that you've picked up or the lessons that you've learned through this incredible experience that you have. You know, the, these are kind of hard times, obviously, for a lot of people. Um, what advice would you give if people are struggling right now and, and need some some optimism? What, what would you say? I, you know, and, I, and I've been through, you know, obviously 9-11 and, and I mentioned, uh, I told you that Kuwait nearly shut down my first business, Granite. 
Um, we struggled through that. The bank called in our loans, we broke down all our covenants, you know, and, and, and we all took pay cuts. And I think it was to me, we just over communicated and, and really hunkered down with, with the employees um, and tried to spread, you know, the, what we had to make up on the cost without letting people go. Um, and then people just felt so much fear, you know, through that, certainly through the nine 11 thing that, you know, it was to me as a leader, it was just like being really open to conversations with everybody in the company and not, not being in an ivory tower. And, you know, right now I'm, I get up in the morning and I always have a nice big funny set of write-ups that I do on, uh, on general Slack and, uh, and everybody starts, you know, jumping on that. They, they, they took a, they made a gif of my, uh, the Jim Cramer thing that, where I say blue yet at the end and that just goes all around and, you know, just keeping people's sense of humor. We we're really promoting, uh, you know, a town hall meeting, uh, I just got off it, you know, for an hour and a half where everybody can ask any question, but over communicating big time. And, uh, and then also being really sensitive to what's going on in people's areas, their families, um, how everybody's adapting. So, you know, I just spend a good third of my day reaching out to people individually, you know, via a phone call or a text or Slack, but just like checking in, you know, I know, I know a lot of people that have small places and have a couple kids and, um, you know, and it's just, it's hard on relationships and, you know, how are you working on it? Just trying to be a leader that way. And I, and I feel like it goes a long way because, you know, they, they'll bounce back and say, I needed that or whatever. And then, you know, sharing any write-ups I can find about this stuff and, and certainly humor. There's just always, I don't know about you, but I mean, everybody I know has got some joke that I'm getting, you know, once an hour on a text. <laughs> some of them are pretty darn creative. Yeah. Well, you know, I've had the the re- real honor of being able to go to your future of work summit in Hawaii for two years. And one of the things that really stood out to me was how important relationships are to you. You know, I could see it with your family that was there with the friends that were there with your colleagues. And it was really inspiring. You know, I just to see how much you care about people and then how much people care about you back. I thought was really remarkable. Tell me a little bit about why relationships mean so much to you, and especially now. Uh, sort of, it came from an interesting background. I mean, you know, both parents pretty well educated. You know, uh, dad was a lawyer at undergrad Dartmouth, and um, and he came. He decided to settle in Berkeley because he went to Bolt Law School. Uh, Worry about my mom, and my mom was a special education teacher. She she was one of the people in the world that's been written about because she would take people that were totally deaf and blind and teach them how to communicate through vibration. And our house was literally 20 feet uh, from her classroom because it was the California school for the deaf and blind, which we used to be in Berkeley. It isn't now. And we lived across the street. So she would bring these people over for dinner and whatnot. And, um, uh, and they, it, I learned how to communicate uh, without speaking, uh, you know, by touching or having someone, uh, you know, you know, touch my mouth or, or gestures and, and things like that. It was really tough, but, you know, cause signing is one thing, but when they're deaf and blind, it's only vibration. Um, and so the extreme set of that. And then, you know, my dad sort of spun off and became decided he was going to be a hippie in 68 when I was about 10. Um, and so, you know, we spent a lot of time, you know, during the Vietnamese war, you know, protests, all that kind of crud. 
and um, you know, sort of just didn't really understand. I was in the first integration class in America uh, where we went to 50%. I went to a black school. Um, my dad was really psyched about that. I was, you know, sort of learning how to integrate um, where there wasn't really race issues. Um, we didn't have the race issues growing up as kids because we're all friends and, and, and women for the most part were treated pretty, pretty well in, from the standpoint of not a good old boy club in Berkeley. So having said that, um, you know, I was like, Hey, the last place I'm going to go is Cal Berkeley. Cause you know, I've spent too much time in this wacko place that thinks about everything differently than the rest of the world. Well, lo and behold, I ended up going to Cal and, um, you know, that those are all valuable lessons growing up. And, you know, I always was an athlete. Um, and, uh, I always migrated to becoming captains of my team and sort of didn't see that as like, cause I'm the best player or, you know, or, or the best yeller. I, I was just one of those people that sort of just got along with everybody. Um, and, and, and also just being sensitive to the fact that everybody's different, you know, just cause you're not very good or you're really good. doesn't mean I treat you differently. Um, and I think just at the end of it, George, a lot of it for me is just really listening and remembering and knowing, you know, how many people are in your family, where are your family, where are they from, you know, what really matters to you. Um, and, and just the, the, the bonding on those relationships, it, it, probably the greatest thing in my life is that I have like a really deep set of friends. I consider you one of them where I feel like I'm, uh, that that inspires me more than money. And, um, you know, I'm not, it's like the most amount of money or, you know, the fancy cars and all that kind of stuff is, has never been a byproduct or rather have my people make more money, uh, and have their lives be normal. And it's just, I get a lot of satisfaction out of that, you know, just in general, I think it has a lot to do with that youth. Certainly I came from a family of five. I'm a number three. There was always bickering. And I was the guy who was trying to like not take sides and get everybody to work their crap out. So it just translated into, you know, work and, and, and applying that same methodologies to uh, to my workers and, and customers and colleagues and, and so on. Well, I think a lot of people would say what you just said as what they'd like it to be, you know, but I think, oh, I can attest. I don't think I know from being around you that it's genuine when it comes from you. And thanks for sharing all that. I got one final question for you. It might be a tough one because uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you, what's a great resource you could recommend? And of course, the greatest resource is Bluescape. But outside of Bluescape, <laughs> if you were going to recommend some tool, a podcast, a book, some sort of resource for someone looking to better themselves professionally, what would it be? I think it, for me, and I think there's a, it's applicable to everybody because I think it's, it's out there, you know. It's, uh, I often laugh because I sort of think of it like the Bob Newhart show, if you're old enough to remember that. But I, um, I was blessed in the 90s to be asked to be part of an organization called YPO. And, and look, there's, you don't need to be in YPO. You can, there's all kinds of groups like that. And I was like, you know, I really don't have it. You know, want to get together for a full day every month. And, you know, the first half of that day is you're in a forum with, you know, 10 or 11 other people. And, People are talking about things that are messed up with their kids or with their businesses going bankrupt that, you know, I had one last week where, I mean, these, there's eight billionaires in my group and, and one of them is just cratering. He's in the food business um, and Cisco and restaurants, but it's like for him to just like vent it out there um, 
you know, I've got CEOs that are, that are, uh, have hotels, you know, they're in just, you know, so good and bad times you're in there for five hours and they go around and each person spends 15 minutes updating their business and then their personal. And then, and then people dive in and you sort of focus on the ones that you put in a parking lot and say, Hey, we're going to get this done. I, I joined YPO in, uh, in 95 or 94. And then, uh, I ended up becoming chairman of it, uh, in 2000. Um, and then it, you know, you're kicked out when you're 50. And so then there was like this group that no one's ever heard of and it's off the record, but it's called Delta and it's just 12 guys. And, uh, I wish there was women in there too, but these bunch of old guards, I mean, the average age in there, I'm like the kid, they're like 74. But the best advice I have is that just being in an environment, you know, sort of like you and I are talking now where, you know, you sort of push for a zoom call with, 10 people that you know in the industry and just say, Hey, I want to just talk about how you're doing or whatever. Cause you're going to get insight from that group. And it could be a bunch of marketing people that, you know, or a bunch of salespeople you work with or worked with where you assemble them and you say, Hey, can we do this once a month or, 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 or twice a month where we're, we're comparing notes and talking and what are you learning and what, what's going on out there? I'll, I'll finish by saying that the big reason I shut the business down and moved everybody home on the uh, the 10th of March was I went to one of these guys paid to have like the head of the CDC, the guy who's cured SARS and all this stuff. And they, and they put him in a, this at university of California, San Francisco, UCSF. And we were in a, the Zuckerberg wing um, having a private meeting with these guys with like 15 of us. And for the next hour and a half, they basically gave a playbook of exactly what's going on now. And they told me, they, and, and then our whole group sat and listened and with our, our faces were dropped. And then we left and one of them crafted up notes. It was supposed to be confidential because they brought a speaker in that didn't want this information to get out. He sent the notes to everybody and someone in our group like shared it because it was pretty brutal data. It was the same, you know, 100 to 200,000 people are going to die and et cetera, et cetera. And that thing got out and actually there were doctors that were tweeting it. Like they were in the room. You could actually tweet, you go on Twitter and go UCSF, you know, COVID secret meeting. And it was tweeted a million times. It went around the world and it was really the first thing. And it, and it was this group that, you know, I associate with. It's like, so I'm always getting data. You know, I've been to the prison. They've had meetings with mother Teresa. They, 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 they forced to get a speaker to come in at all different levels. You don't have to be in a billionaire's boys club to do these kinds of things. You can create your own and have a valuable speaker, a coach, somebody come in and sort of share what they're thinking. And I think it opens up your mind. It takes you out of what you're doing and, and you can see things through other eyes and gain information. I mean, certainly you can read books that obviously has helped me a lot, but at the end of the day, I think like I wouldn't miss these meetings for the world. Well, I'm inspired to start up a group or to join a group. I'm going to find a virtual one. Uh, if, and uh, I certainly, certainly appreciate this conversation. And I'm very much so looking forward to the growth and success of Bluescape over the coming months. I think you guys have an amazing platform, obviously great leadership, but uh, wonderful to hear that you had a great March. And I think it's going to be a great 2020 for you, really. Well, thank you. And I'm, I'm thinking hard about you and, and your listeners and, you know, let's fight through this thing. I, and we'll get to the other side if we band together and, and share each other's pain. Well, thank you, Peter. Uh, I appreciate your time. I know you're a real busy guy and the incredible insight. Thanks so much for being on the show. 
Work Inspired is brought to you by BOS, a leader in commercial working environments and a Hayworth best-in-class dealership. Experience our 360 approach and discover the team, tools, and techniques required to navigate the complexity of your next workspace at BOS.com. If you have ideas, feedback, or would like to be featured on our show, please email podcast at BOS.com. Thank you for listening. This has been a Workspace Digital production. If you're interested in launching a podcast at your organization, please email info at workspace.digital for a free consultation.